Hello, and thank you for joining us for How Have You Not Seen, a movie podcast where we fill in the gaps in each other's cinematic knowledge by asking important questions like, you really never saw Thelma and Louise, or... Come on, you never watched Being John Malkovich, or... How have you not seen Dog Day Afternoon? Hello again, and thank you for joining us for How Have You Not Seen? I'm your co-host, Caroline Thompson. I'm the other co-host, Carson Betts. And this is How Have You Not Seen? A movie podcast where each week we pick one of our favorite movies the other hasn't seen. We talk about it. Then we go and watch the movie. And then we talk about it some more. It's going to be a real good time. Carson Betts. Yeah. You have not seen Dog no. Day Afternoon. No. How have you not seen Dog Day Afternoon? Because I'm, I'm a stupid little... Stupid little uninformed baby. That's why. Yeah, I mean, no great, no great story. I'm just not, uh, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not super well watched with old, old films. I'm a little baby boy. Yeah, yeah. That's it. it. If it wasn't, if Robert Downey Jr. is not in it, Kirsten has no interest. Robert Downey Sr.? Never heard of him. (laughs) Sounds like old man stuff gross um but yeah any other context carson any other? uh no i don't think so great can i just say my favorite recurring thing this season is the answer is sometimes just i don't know i haven't seen a movie yeah well it's it's like the fifth episode that's happened on this season is just like i don't know it's that's because that's just sometimes what life is it's just uh I don't know. So I, I think it's one of the things I like the most about doing this podcast is that like I ha- there's obviously so many films I have not seen and would like to. Um, but I have a thing where I don't know, rather than sit down and watch a movie, I should see sometimes what I do is not that. So it's it's good to have a reason to. Yeah, 100 percent, 100 percent, especially as like we get kind of older and like you know, we get more involved in other things in our lives. Like I, yeah. I love the time in my early twenties when I was watching literally a film a day and mm-hmm. I would love to continue to do that, but I am a very involved person. I have many, after, what I call after school activities that I like to mm-hmm. do. And you do um, have many after school activities. That's true. <laughs> and it's, and it's really nice to carve out time each week to talk to two of my best friends and watch at least like two or three movies. Oh, thanks. Yay. To that end, Carson, what what do you know about Dog Day Afternoon? It's, I mean, it's Pacino. This is like the movie that kind of makes Pacino's career, right? This is the big, his big breakout role, yeah? Mm, Sort of. Sort of, okay. I mean, this is, I mean, uh, that I would argue that that is, uh, you know, the godfather, but. Oh, sure, 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 sure. But, you know, I mean, this is like, this is a big, you know, next step in kind of, you know, um, because Godfather was 72. This is 75. Okay. So, I mean, that's a good question. What did Pacino do kind of in the meantime? Um, but yeah, I mean, like this is this is like him going from like, holy shit, that dude was good, that that Pacino guy is good in the Godfather to like this is kind of him stepping out. Um, yeah, because in between these two, he does the Godfather, which is only his 
third film is The Godfather. And then he does a film called Scarecrow, which I am unfamiliar with. Yeah. Um, and then he does Serpico, Godfather okay. Part 2. Damn. And then Dog Day Afternoon. What a fucking so, like, run. Yeah. What it's, a fucking run. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, it's like Heat and then Don Cacino. You know, those are the the next steps. His, his, uh, his two most legendary roles post Part 2. It's not Al anymore. Um, uh, it's it's junk. <laughs> have we ever talked about that? On have we ever talked about that? I know that the, I think there's a 100% chance we talked about that on the heat no, episode. No, no, here's we, the thing we absolutely talked about this. No, 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 <laughs> but on the heat episode, what happened? I remember this because I re listened to our heat episode. I think in the first half, I was like, Have you guys ever seen Dunkachino? And you were both like, No, and I said, Okay, well, you have to watch it, and then I I don't think I made either of you watch it before the second half. So I don't think I've ever actually spoken to either of you about Don Pacino. All right. Well, before we come back to, to, to do this, we can do a mini. We'll do a, presents Don we'll do a mini. We'll do a mini one on Don Pacino because we need to talk about it. It's very important. Um, back to this. Uh, God, what a fucking turn. This is directed by Cindy Lumet, right? <laughs> Oh, what else? is that Anything correct? Else you know about is, this is this directed by Sidney, Sidney Lumet? It's him. Yeah, that is correct. Okay. Yes. All right. I'm a smart boy. I know some smart things. Uh, what the fuck is this movie about? I don't know what this movie is about. You don't know what the film is about at all. I don't know what it's about at all. Awesome. Okay, great. Because that was going to be one of my questions is, do you know why this film takes place? Because it's a very interesting question that I think why? we have a lot to talk about. Why? It's There's an answer that's not... Well, a guy wrote a script and then it got auctioned no, 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 no. and then I mean, like, studio I mean, like, in put money into it. Of, in the context of the plot, like what kind oh. of circumstances. So let me read you. The is, he's, he doesn't yell that he's the Serpico, I assume, in this one. He does not, no. Okay, all right. Um. So let me read <laughs> That's you. That's just Serpico, all right. Let me read you the poster. Um. This is just the tagline. It's a very long one. It's a very, oh my God. It's, a, it's a gorgeous poster actually, but- um, yeah. It says, the robbery should have taken 10 minutes. Four hours later, the bank was like a circus sideshow. Eight hours later, it was the hottest thing on TV. 12 hours later, it was history. And it's all true. Al Pacino, Dog Day Afternoon. Damn. Yes. He, the last art of poster poster tagline. Oh, it's it's gorgeous. I'm actually Yeah, it's really cool. I mean, it's it's the photo on IMDb, so I highly recommend you pull this film. So it's a it's a it's a bank robbery. I mean, so it's it's funny that then in heat he's the cop. Yes. Yeah, cool. Yes. All right. All right. But it's a very interesting bank robbery. You'll 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 find out. It's a very it's a it's a cool little movie. It's my guess my guess is that the the title Dog Day Afternoon is uh ironic we'll find out oh wait is there an anthropomorphic dog who talks in this there's not but you'll have damn so you're film. telling me the air buddies aren't in this movie no, no. i'm a baby i watch movies with the air buddies in them. it's not the pacino buddies dog buddies oh <laughs> uh, <laughs> we, should, we should do more air buddies they should they should put they Perfect. should bring back Airbud, and he should play not just the physical sports, but fuck, we gotta update it for 2023. He's gotta play esports. He should play Fortnite. Yes, yes, yes. Chess, pickleball, everything. Yes. 
I just want to say this is one of those this is one of those rare instances where like I've seen one of the films that the person who hasn't seen it as yeah Carson the chaos that you are bringing to the table is going to truly make like the most beautiful one two punch we've ever had on an episode oh my god okay uh yes so the, the 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 buddies are not are not in this film sounds stupid I hate it do you know any other cast members of this film that you can think of uh, no I don't okay Cool. Well, do you know anything else about this film? No. (laughs) Okay, wonderful. Are we ready to go into our little game? Yeah, yeah. Please, I need something to pacify my little baby brain. I need some, (laughs) I need some colors, please. Excellent. Well, so in that case, we're going to be playing kind of a new game this week. It's kind of its own thing. I don't really have a name for it, but we can just kind of call it, um, uh, here's an interesting piece of trivia. Do you know it? All right. All right. Are you ready, Carson? I am. I am ready. Okay, great. So the um, one of the other like supporting roles in this film is John Cazali. Okay. And so I have a little question for you. It goes a little something like this. John Holland Cazali, born August 12th, 1935, was an American actor. Cazali started as a theater actor in New York City, ranging from regional to off-Broadway to Broadway, acting alongside Al Pacino, Meryl Streep, and Sam Waterston. Theatrical producer Joseph Papp called Cazali an amazing intellect, an extraordinary person, and a fine, dedicated artist. It was not long after that he broke into acting in feature films and became a favorite character actor prominent in several uh, iconic new Hollywood films. In 1977, John Cazali was diagnosed with lung cancer, but he chose to complete his final film before he died shortly thereafter, which happened um, in New York City on March 13th, 1978. During his film career, he appeared in five films over seven years, all of which were nominated for the Academy Award for Best Picture. One of them was Dog Day Afternoon. Can you name three of the other four? He died in, what's the year he died again? Give that to me. In 77. Okay, so Dog Day Afternoon was almost certainly either the last or second to last. Yes. So okay. to give you to give you one hint, I will give you a um um. Let me see. So the first film uh, was The Godfather in 1972, and then the his final film um, premieres in 78 after his death. So what? between 1972 what? and 1978, he acted in five Best Picture nominees. Oh, my God. Jesus Christ. Um, what won the Star Wars year? I was going to say, so how are you on your 70s Oscar? Uh, not great is the thing about that. Um, if he's in Godfather 1, that makes me think he's in Godfather 2. So Godfather 2, The Deer Hunter. Great movie. What's another movie that won an Oscar in the 70s? Uh... Well, Carson. Hmm. Never mind. Go on. Oh, okay. Whoa, okay. All right. All right. Uh... Fuck. Here's the thing. If I can think of one more movie that won Best Picture in the 70s, I have a very good chance of getting it right just due to the math of it. Um, And this film did not win. It was this was a nominee, but it did not win. Dog Day was 
Yes, and then the 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 other film. So the five films he were in were all nominated for best. Oh, okay. okay they didn't okay, all necessarily okay, win. Okay, okay, they didn't all necessarily win. Okay, okay, okay. But wait, can you repeat the ones you've already said? Godfather Two, The Deer Hunter. Yeah, and didn't you say an, an, another one that is related to The Godfather Part Two? Well, you already gave me Godfather Part One. Oh shit! Okay, well, yeah, I didn't mean to do that, but go oh, on. Oh well, I guess I just put together those context clues. Fuck it. Uh, I know he's not in it, but Cabaret. I can't think of anything better. No. Okay, so I am going to give it to you because I did accidentally spoil The Godfather because okay. I thought it was. I thought that was the obvious one, and so the trick mm-hmm. question was going to be, can you get The Godfather Part Two and ah. the other one? But yes, so it was Godfather, Godfather Part Two, The Deer Hunter. Dog Day Afternoon and the conversation. Oh, so he just he just loves. Okay, yeah. All right. So cool, he's, cool, he's cool. He works with Coppola. Boy. He's Coppola boy. He's a Coppola boy. Those are that is every film John Cazale acted in. That's fucking crazy. Yes. Uh, R.I.P. All right. Yeah. I will not be Did, the first. It will not be the last to say. It, but like, imagine is there anybody else that has? I I mean, like. I was going to say Florence Pugh, but like she's in like fighting with my family and stuff like she's in Don't Worry Darling. Yes. Yeah, no. In terms of um, in terms of. Is there a modern actor that has that kind of. Damn, I don't think anybody is batting a thousand to that that same degree. Um, But yeah, so um, that is our little game. Kirsten, are you ready to uh, go watch Dog Day Afternoon? I am so ready. Yeah. All right, well, we'll see you guys in just a moment after we've watched Dog Day Afternoon. And we are back. Yeah. Let's just jump into it, Carson. (laughs) Before, yes, right? Right? Right. So sad. So let's just jump on into it. Uh, We were right before we started recording. Yeah. We uh, hopped on the call and we're like, uh hey oh my gosh it's we're recording on sunday nights which might i add by the way i'm loving this uh new routine we found it's i talk with you for two hours and then i get to go watch succession um it's a really good yeah (laughs) Uh, we hop off the call and we're like you gonna watch succession yeah you can watch succession yeah um but we're you know it's it's a sunday evening and it's like mm-hmm. how's your weekend been how's your weekend been and you're going and you're like it was really yeah. good i did this i did this yeah. i did this i watched dog day afternoon yeah. which is great so that's always a a good a good sign for what's to come it's it's so incredible i'll, I'll also say i was texting Corey and you while i was watching it and sort of midway through i said that I, I have never seen a movie in which I have thought of the head slapping gift from the naked gun so much. And then, <laughs> and then a- after completing the movie, I just sent, I have gone from, and I sent the head slapping gift and then I sent two. And then I just sent the sad Ben Affleck meme staring <laughs> off at his face at the Batman V Superman interview, because I, God, I mean, the, the control of tone in this movie is incredible. 
I mean, it's it's fairly obvious now having finished it, but the fact that the first hour of the movie is essentially a comedy is is there are dramatic beats, but is so almost slapstick in bits and so satirical and so comedic. And then midway through takes a absolute turn and night falls and then things get just pitch dark dramatic. Yeah. And it still feels as though it's one complete piece of art. Correct. Is is so cool. And it and it is, God, just so fucking sad. Such yeah. a gut punch of a final act of a movie. No, 110%. 110%. Um, so yeah, so let's just go. We 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 played a new made-up game that I kind yeah. of butchered this week about the <laughs> filmography of John Cazal. So let's just hop into it. So talk to me about your experience watching this film. Okay. So I I mean, I I we, we discussed in the first half, obviously. Uh, should say Jean Gazelle, uh, incredible, so good in this movie. I really, really see, great performance. Did see him and went, ah, yes, that guy from The Godfather. Uh huh. Yeah, yes. I know him. Yeah. Uh, uh, really good, really understated performance. Uh, we spoke a lot in the beginning how I knew nothing about this movie. I did not know it was based on true events. I did not know any bit of the plot other than there is a bank robbery and Pacino's there and stuff happens. Um, I think that is probably the ideal way of watching this movie, not just because there is, I don't want to call it a plot twist, but there is, it is one of those moments in movies where like you, something happens and then you, it completely reframes your knowledge of the previous events that you've seen in the film. So both having that, having the fact that it is kind of this two-hander where the first half of it is, is comedic and the second half is really dramatic. Um, the fact that it is based on a true story, which I, I just watched and I have not had time to look into, but I'm very fascinated about watching it. Um, it was just a really exciting viewing experience. And yeah. it's one of those perfect fucking movies that I know I am now going to go to everyone I know and be like, have you ever seen Dog Day Afternoon? Have you ever seen Dog Day Afternoon? It's fucking incredible. It's so good. Like, it's yes. you got to see. It's one of the finest the screenplay is so tight and interesting. I was in, I I was just incredibly impressed with how even the smallest characters that have little individual scenes have a level of like depth and roundness to them that you don't get out a lot of out of a lot of movies. Um, especially given that the first half of it is so is so funny and so laid on its feet and 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 so almost uh, almost almost shallow. I I I was just so impressed. I was very, very impressed. That Sidney Lumet kid. Oh my god! I you yeah, know, he's going I, places. He's got he's real going places. He's going places. Okay, you've hit on a lot of really good stuff already, and I yeah. well, two things. Um, yeah. you mentioned the, for lack of a better word, we can call it a twist. The the reveal of the motive for why this the, robbery is taking the, place. The the moment that Leon walks on screen, essentially. Yes. So there's yeah. that, and then you talk about the screenplay, and my two first. Uh, experiences with this film have to do with those two things. So the first mm -hmm. one is, I don't know why, I don't know why I was like this, but I think mm -hmm. it explains a lot about everything that I am. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and probably a lot to do with my relationship with pop culture in that when I was growing up, like when I was like 12, 13 years old, I watched fucking I love the 90s, I love the 80s, all of that shit. I, I love the 70s, all of that shit on VH1. Mm -hmm. And I have no idea why. I didn't mm -hmm. know any of this stuff. Yeah. 
But it was one of those things that like I would watch these shows and they would talk about like movies and music and like TV shows and products and things from these eras. And I was like, well, Michael Ian Black is telling me that this is a really important the thing that I should know about. So I'm going to look into it. And um, I remember there was a big segment on this movie in I Love the 70s. Yeah. And so I knew and like, obviously, like, I'm sure I, you know, I haven't seen any of this stuff in a decade plus, but like, I'm sure the way they, I'm sure the way, I'm sure the way the talking head comedians on VH1 in the mid 2000s spoke about Leon's character, I'm sure is a lot less uh, generous and a lot less nice and a lot less empathetic than the way this film handles Leon as a character. Mm-hmm. Um, having said that, that was the thing that I knew. Mm-hmm. Like about this movie from like, yeah. like I heard about this movie through the lens of there's this fucking Al Pacino movie from the seventies in which mm-hmm. he plays a gay guy who robs a bank and mm-hmm. is like, you know, in order to spoiler alert, if you're listening to this part of the podcast, I'm assuming you don't know this, watch but... the movie without knowing it's, it's yes. a great experience. Let me tell you. Yes. Um, you know, uh, and it's, you know, in order to pay for, um, in order to pay for a sex change operation for his mm. partner. And uh, speaking of which, I'm going to take a sidebar to my sidebar mm-hmm. and say that um, queer theory and the way we discuss a lot of queer issues and the way we discuss a lot of um, uh, ways we formulate our identity have checks notes changed a lot in the last 50 years. Mm-hmm. And there are ways that we view gender and sexuality and there are paradigms uh, which we find to be completely, um, completely 100% end all be all of how we view these things uh, that were not the same way back then. And so I think that while we can, we can uh, comment on how they talk about some of these things is different than the way we talk about them now. Mm-hmm. As the as the resident gay on the podcast, I think that we should uh, we should deal with this work in the way that it deals with the world around it. Yeah, and use the same language that the film is using. Yeah, um, because what? it is true that back in the day, people and trans people thought about themselves differently than the way we think about ourselves now, mm. and uh, and that is okay. Yeah. A okay. Yeah. Times yeah. change. I, philosophies change. Yeah. Things change. And yeah. I have three things to say about that. One is that it was something I was thinking about in this movie because the language is obviously very different. There is a not nearly the concern for the sort of etiquette of language around queer issues that obviously we have now that was, you know, different or not as widely known or not as available back then. Um I was thinking the entire first half of this movie, I was playing the like the post-watching game of recast it with myself because I was kind of doing the like, okay, you remake this movie now. You do like, you do like satirical bank heist movie goes wrong or bank heist goes wrong movie. Like who's the Pacino character? How do you do it? Um, And then the last half movie, I'm like, you could not make this. I, I don't mean this in like a shitty conservative way, but like you could not make this movie today because the way that the characters and the way that queerness interacts with what's happening in the plot 
is so specific to that time and place that you would have to change it so completely that it would kind of be a different movie. Um, sure. Well, and, and you're talking about if you made this film today. Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, like, like, like you said it in 2020. Like you said, yeah, you don't base it. I mean, I guess you could do, I don't know if you come to, if I'm the Hollywood executive and somebody comes to me and is like, you know what, <laughs> we got, you got to remake dog day afternoon. It's what the, you know, what they demand. We're going to send it straight to streaming. I, I like, I do wonder is if, is the pitch like, and you probably shouldn't do it because it's a perfect movie, but like, is the pitch like, oh, well, we still base it. We make it an adaptation of the same historical event. Or is the pitch like we set it today and, and kind of chain, it needs to be changed such that it's, Kind of an entirely different statement and in a different piece but like yeah I, I i was very impressed because leon comes on screen and you hear the one cop say like oh like that guy says he's his wife and i was like oh no is this going to be a movie where like there is this like everything around it is an incredible bit of bit of cinema but there's this like thing in the center that is so just hits the modern sensibility so bad and wrong and is so outwardly homo and transphobic that like the conversation is like, wow, this movie is incredible, but there's this one thing. Right. And what happens is no, it is obviously because of the context of where it is set and what happens within the plot of this movie, very different than the way that we would interact with these issues today. But it is still a very empathetic very human portrayal of a character and a set of characters and a group of people in the context that I was I was I was amazed and it just and every bit of like messiness just kind of led to well there's more humanity here there's more roundness to these characters like I I was like every little bit of of thing that happens after the reveal of Leon I was I'm just you're fascinated kind of watch how every person in the main cast like reacts to that information and how that changes the relationship between uh, Sonny and everybody else. Like I was fascinated. I'm pretty sure Sonny's mom is the only one that uses female pronouns for Leon is the thing I'm pretty sure I noticed, which is like, I'm like, oh, that's just interesting that she's the only one that does it. And yeah. like, what's the impetus behind that? Well, you know, is it, you can kind of cast your mind, like, is that a, does she really accept her as a woman but she's also saying like oh if your wife had done her job right is it like a my son's not gay because the person that he's with is at, like i there's just so much to it that you're like you know it, it's just more human and it's more empathetic and it's yeah really interesting and really deep and yes and there's this there's just this really interesting way about it and like, God damn it. It's one of those things where it's like, I watch shit like this, you know, and I watch, um, you know, like, again, the language that they use is outdated, which is yeah. fine because at the time it wasn't outdated and like yeah. shit change, it, ideas change, things change. Uh, and the thing that like I was watching and I say this like partly as a joke, but also so true. I'm just like, God damn it. The 80s ruined everything. Yeah. Reagan ruined fucking everything. Yeah. Because like I'm watching this film. And even fucking Moretti, even the guy who he's like, my job is I want to get Sonny out of there. Like, I, like yeah. my job is to take this motherfucker down. Yep. Leon walks in and Moretti is talking to Leon. And I'm going to use he, him pronouns for Leon because that is what the character uses. Yeah. 
Yeah. And the character is very much this and 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 whether we would let this fly today or not, I don't know. I don't care. Um Leon is like, I would like to become a woman. Like that is yeah. the way that Le- he's like, I would like to, I would like to change my sex. Like that is the way that Leon conceptualizes Leon's identity. So that's how we're gonna talk about it here. Um, but like he goes up to Leon and he's like, Who the fuck are you? Like, what what's going yeah. on? What's going on? And Leon's just like, you know we got married in a ceremony like you know it it turns out it's just like you know we're gay and there we had a gay you know we had a we had a wedding in a church with a bunch of the gay community and i was mm. wearing a dress and he's doing this that i can get i can get a sexual reassignment surgery and even fucking moretti who is like ostensibly sunny's enemy yeah is like oh fuck like he's yeah. not like, he doesn't do he doesn't do the like he doesn't do the whole ace ventura like everybody vomits mm-hmm. thing yeah you know he doesn't do the whole like uh he, you know he listens to what leon has to say and you get this air of this kind of like oh i was not expecting this mm-hmm. but even still he calls sunny up and he goes hey he's like leon's down here or i'm talking to leon and like, is that why you're doing it, Sonny? Are you doing it so that like so that he can get the surgery? Yeah. And he speaks so like mildly about all of this, you know? And it's just this thing of like fucking in the fucking 70s, Al Pacino, who's just coming off the fucking godfather, is like, what's that? You want me to play a movie and where, and where a bank robber becomes like a folk hero because he's trying and, and cause he's gay and is like, you know, and is yeah. uh, like, is disenfranchised and is going to fucking hold up a bank to get the money he needs for his lover's sex change surgery. And then he fucking does it. Yeah. And it's just like, it, yeah. is, it is amazing to me that this movie does this in fucking, uh, in fucking the 1970s. And then it gets like nominated for Academy Awards too. Like that it's yeah. widely hailed and recognized. Like it, it is, I think we kind of alluded to, when we talk about Brokeback Mountain, it's, it gives me a lot of the same feelings where it's like, it's obviously set in an entirely different context than the modern day in a different time and uses different language. But like, the truth of the humanity of what is going on there is so enduring. And so like, and then, and then this, it shows how the societal opposition to it is so damaging and so harmful that you're just like, God damn it. Why couldn't this movie just end homophobia on its own? Like, this is such a clear example of like why these social forces are just pure evil. You know, it's, it's so apparent. The movie doesn't need to go out of its way to like spell these things out. It just puts you in the situation and lets you realize the, and, you know, reminds you of these things, lets you realize them on their own. Yeah. And then it's this whole thing too of like, it it does serve as this thing that makes you want to pull your hair out a little bit. Yeah. Because you, you watch this movie and you, cause you know, there's this whole narrative. We talked about this last year when we did Brooklyn Mountain. Yeah. Um, But there's this whole narrative of like, you know, it's like, well, the reason we can't have gay people in Star Wars is because the world isn't ready for it. Yeah. Like, it's so new. And it's not that we shouldn't have a trans person in Star Wars. Yeah. It's just like, you know, like, we're just now starting to, like, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, and it's like, it, it makes you want to pull your hair out because you watch this movie and you see Sidney Lumet and Al Pacino. Yeah. yeah. Are like, 
All right. So you're gay and that person's trans and they're real fucking people. And like Al Pacino, you're a big masculine Italian guy. You want to play this gay guy? Great. Chris Sarandon, you're a serious, you're a serious actor. Do you want to be in a probably Oscar nominated film playing, you know, like a, like a pre-op trans person. And they're just like, like, Oh yeah, those are people that exist. That's a human being that I can portray with like empathy and understanding. And it just like makes you want to pull your hair out because you're like, like none of this is fucking new like none of this is fucking new like they don't even like they don't even have to explain to the audience like what is going on with leon they're just like there there's a little bit of table setting of like they were married in the ceremony and they call leon sonny's wife and leon wants like sex reassignment and nobody has to go like well gee captain moretti what sexual reassignment surgery as I and you don't have to explain it. It's just it's just yeah. like hey, there there there's there's some queers out there, and uh, I want to change some stuff about themselves. And they're married. And uh, okay, we're 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 good. We all we all know what these words mean. Great. Let's keep on rolling with the plot. Yeah, and like actually, the the core of this is like a is is still like human want and human desire, and like that fundamentally is something that we can all tap into. And if you just let that be your guiding light. Like nobody's going to have a problem with it. Yeah. It's, it's really frustrating because it is God. I mean, I certainly as a straight guy, I don't want to like wade too deep into the battle of what is good and what is bad representation. Sure. But all I know is I watched this movie and it demonstrates just an incredible amount of understanding for these characters. And like that, that is, I don't know, that that certainly sells it to me. Doesn't ruffle yeah. my feathers, but you know. No, 100%. And I'd like to, um, going back just a little bit, because we went on yeah. on this on this big um, discussion, which I think is really great. Um, yeah. I was like, there's two things I want to talk about with this movie. Um, mm-hmm. The other one was just like you mentioned the screenplay. Like this was one of the films, like each week when I took my like advanced screenwriting class in college, each mm-hmm. week we we read a film and we watched the film and then we talked mm-hmm. about the film. Like that was the structure of the class. And there was a whole week on this one um, because yeah, because that screenplay is really, really excellent. That's really all I wanted to say about that. Yeah, so like, that's no, kind you... of how I was introduced to this film. Um, so I'm, I'm really interested to hear some of your perspective on it with fresh eyes because I first encountered it as this pop culture thing with this big like gay through line via VH1. Yeah. And then the time I actually sat down and watched it was through the lens of, well, you're going to read the entire screenplay before you see the movie. And so, yeah, but um, having said that, I do want to dive into um, some of this. And yeah, I forgot where I was going with that, actually. I had something to tee up, but then I forgot. Is it the fact that he pulls a gun out of... A, like a birthday box <laughs> and he can't he can't get it all the way out he can't get it all the way out uh yeah yeah that's that part it's really good. it's really good <laughs> that's that is the first moment in this because i'm watching the beginning of this movie and it's pretty so it starts with the like this is based on true events okay uh, a, a thing that movies do that every time i see it i go all right you're calling your shot movie let's see if you can you know because if you make a shitty movie that you say is based on true events dumb stupid i go ah saccharin and this is why reality tv is bad you say this is based on true events and you've made a really interesting it turns out this is an interesting work of adaptation from real life holy shit 
Yeah. Well, and one All thing right. too, um, I think uh, in a in a very strange way, similar similarly to the uh, to the ways that queer elements are portrayed, I do think there's a very interesting thing that this movie does that is just more than anything just indicative of how like times in Hollywood changes. Yeah. But I do love that this film calls the shot of everything you're about to see is true. Mm-hmm. Whereas nowadays it's this film was based on true events or this yeah. film was inspired by a true story because Hollywood is too, Hollywood is too baby chicken to, to pull a fast one like that. Um, I think a lot of it is just studios being like, well, we can't say it's a true no. story because again, we can't, so, say, you know what I mean? It's more of like a lie. Somebody on thing. Twitter is going to say, yeah, well, actually I, you know, it didn't happen like that. They didn't get married until two years later. Yeah. So and, what I'm uh, so what I'm hinting at is the it's uh it's the beta. This film is based on a true story versus the alpha. This its entire story is true. Well, it's it's a good way of putting it. To, and I've, certainly, I've never seen those exact words used in a movie, but it's a really good way of putting it because it's like okay, well, no matter what, ex, you know, artistic license this this movie takes with real life. Sidney Lumet can fucking point to that statement and be like, yeah, but the whole thing carried the fucking weight of like emotional human truth, didn't it? Like, didn't you like watching this movie? Don't you feel, you know, don't you understand the story and feel the pain and struggle the character is going through? And isn't that isn't the whole point of art just to reveal truth? You know, like, and like it's it's artsy fartsy, but it's great. Um, Then starts with this very, I will say. It was a weird comparison because the beginning of this movie, it's just you're getting all the shots of Brooklyn, you're getting the song. And I was like, man, this movie begins the exact same way as Philadelphia. And that I did not see that they would both be about queer issues. I didn't didn't see Wait, that. Wait, you one didn't coming. know that about Philadelphia? You didn't know Philadelphia? No, I knew that about Philadelphia. I mean, like this movie. Like, I didn't know that this movie was also going to be. Oh, okay. Struggle. oh, I see. I see. But it's but it, you're okay, yeah. opening shots of the city. Yes. Yes. Oh, yes. There's a Bruce Springsteen song about uh, about Brooklyn. about Philadelphia. There is there a Bruce Springsteen. Brooklyn seems a little bit. No, too, that's like, what I'm saying. Hey. No, but yeah. see, I make oh, sure. a joke is that I see you. I see opens, you. But there's not a there's not a Bruce Springsteen song. About Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Go. I get I get an expensive coffee in Brooklyn. Should be be pretty good. Um, So, so then you just get the bank. You get them coming in. I am immediately struck. I think maybe just because I recently watched Heat for the first time, I have in my head, oh, Al Pacino, cool bank robberies. They start going through the bank robbery. The thing that hits me immediately is, oh, why is this? Man, this movie sucks. They're going to do this bank robbery looks like shit. This bank is tiny. (laughs) This is what? It's three guys. They don't really seem to know what they're doing. And then he... One of them chickens out five minutes in. chickens out five minutes in. It's just like, I can't do it, Sonny. Which, uh, and then Sonny pulls the gun out of the box and does it so poorly that it's a really good gag just on its own. It's also, I think, an incredible gag because it completely changes the way you're watching everything. Your mind immediately goes, oh, this is a comedy. Oh, the point is that they are way over their heads they don't know what the fuck is going on and they're bad at robbing banks and they've never done it before yeah yeah and it's just and there's so many great bits in that first half um you know i want to say you know you ever hear the thing where people talk about like stockholm syndrome right yeah, and like how that's like also to, like mostly mostly made up bullshit mostly made up bullshit but the thing that's real about it at least in narrative 
is not that like you become entranced by your captors, but just that like human nature is so set towards finding stasis and towards getting used to things that like if you're in that situation long enough, it becomes normal to you. Yes. And I think that this movie is at first a really great humorous look at that idea. And then in the end, a really tragic look at that idea. Because I think a lot of the undertones of this movie, as we were kind of talking about before, is that like, well, these things, when they are normalized, are just normal. And the fact that they're not, you know. Yeah. Is a major issue. Like, it's, like it's, it's, I think it's really interesting. It could have been a very different film. After... After Leon is introduced and you have that like next five minutes before they make the call where it's reported on on TV and you get the whole discussion that Kazale, it's both pretty funny. It's a funny gag, but it's also it's really weirdly revealing about this guy's character that he's like, he says there's two homosexuals in here. Like, that's not true. And yeah, you could see, and then, and everybody in the bank's kind of looking at Sonny a bit differently now, because at this point they've all come to not like him necessarily, but like trust him inherently because they've learned that he's just not going, he doesn't want to hurt any of them. He's just in a weird position. And there's a different movie, I think, where like, you know, he says like, oh, he says there's two homosexuals in here. There's only one. And Sonny's like, what are you talking about? I'm not a homosexual. And he gets really kind of, he starts pushing back on everybody for looking at him weird. And that's not the case. It's it's that he's so used to this, that this is just an outsized version of something that he's experienced before. And whatever the outside world has to say about his identity and his relationship with Leon and whatever. That is something that he clearly has kind of had his own internal, internal figuring out process with. And then the movie just becomes about the way that everybody's reacting to it. Yeah. Yeah. How the media is reacting to it, how the cops are reacting to it, how the other people in the bank reacting to it, how his, you know, the way his mom and his his other wife, you've seen, have kind of, they both know about this thing and they're having these very different but individual reactions to it. And like, even the, oh God, I mean, it's the probably, I don't know, I think maybe a modern queer person might look at it and you tell me, I mean, it might maybe be the only scene that people brush up against is the kind of like, the almost outlandish way that the, uh, the, the gay protesters coming out of the scene is portrayed as, how it's like almost, it's, it's, kind of not a good thing it's a bit of a ratcheting up of the tension i mean it's a bit of a ratcheting up of the tension definitely um that having been said though i do feel as if with um i do feel with that though it is like their their anger Mm -hmm. feels very um it feels very real Mm -hmm. and it doesn't feel like um you know it doesn't feel like the film is portraying it as a bad thing that they're coming up the film is kind of portraying it is like a almost like reasonable thing right like yeah. there's like they're going to support sunny and it's like it's this thing of like oh like we're in the news for something you know and obviously like the aids epidemic had not yet started but like we're yeah. in the news for something other than like you know this huge ick you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And it's like, and so we're able to like, there is a place where we can show up and we can like show that like whatever. And their chanting does not feel, it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel like the film is looking down on them at all. And especially in a film that is so much about spectacle and so much about like, you know, uh, like 
cultural narrative. Yeah. It does feel very like, it does feel like a ratcheting up of the tension, but I feel like that's very organic. Whereas the film itself tries to uh, show the protesters coming up as like a, you know, as like a very reasonable thing to do. I I almost feel like, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. The thing that kind of, and you get it, it's a really good detail. You get that there's the one newscast where he's talking about, well, they're gay activists all are, are reacting to this. And some of them are, like a large portion of them are doing the work of it still happens anytime, you know, somebody from a marginalized group does something that is, you know, deemed criminal or explicitly bad or like outside the social norm really publicly such that it receives a backlash. And then like people from those pest press groups then have to come out and like say, that's not us. Like that's one person, you know, we, which obviously is a ridiculous thing to have to say. But it's but kind it of, is it's true, the, yeah. But it is true. It's the it's the the Fox News line post 9-11 of like, well, why won't the Muslim community come out and denounce, you know, the terrorists? Where it's like, yeah, well, that's not you're missing the fucking point entirely. But like y- you both have, you know, there's that line where the newscaster says, like, well, you have the gay activists that are coming out and being like, well, this is not us. Like, we not all gay people are out here robbing banks. So we don't want to say that, you know. There's enough, I'm sure there are enough preachers in the 1970s that are talking about how gay people are leading to social collapse that like, you don't also need to believe that we're all bank robbers. And then you have, you know, and he says, and some people are saying, well, this is, if not heroic, this is a, a bit of visibility for gay people. You know, this is something that is bringing them into the spotlight. And then that just leads to the activists show up and you've already seen the way that this information has completely changed the way the crowd is relating to Sonny, how he's gone from like, just because he comes out and and it's pretty comedic at the beginning, the way he just starts yelling Attica kind of because he's feeling a little uh, little pissy with the cops and it turns him into a folk hero immediately. And you see the way the crowd turns on him and the gay protesters show up and it just makes me go, oh shit, oh fuck. Oh no, is this that? And like, now I know this is going to be another cultural narrative that is going to be used against them. And the fact that they showed up, even if they're doing it for righteous reasons, is now is probably going to get spinned into something horrible. Yeah. You know, which just reinforces I think the the narrative that we're talking about generally the way this thing interacts with it, with you know society more broadly. Yeah, no 100%. Yeah. And uh, I think it's so it is so like I don't know we talked about this a good amount too and I think this is a good counterpoint to the taking of poem 1 2 3. Yeah. Um in its own way which is just that thing of like, like, and, and and I think in this film too, I think this film has the added layer of like, literally the hostages, like mm-hmm. don't even want Sonny to get no. in trouble. And like, even the hostages don't even want, um, you know, like bad things to happen, uh, let alone the audience. But there is just that thing of like, the world is so fucked that we just like inherently understand like we inherently understand Sonny being like uh, the reason why Sonny would would do this and when the you know um there is this lingering question there is this kind of lingering question at the end of this film um when Sonny is like looking at the girls as they're all leaving and as Mulvaney is like ushering them away um and like helping them out and stuff there is kind of this lingering question of like, well, when when the real world sets back in, 
Mm-hmm. And when the sun comes up tomorrow or when the sun comes up a week from now and they've had some time to stew on it, are they going to look back and be like, oh, fuck that sunny guy. He took us all hostage. Or yeah. are they going to be like, no, you know, like by the end, like he was a real person and we like, you know, we were upset that he got got and we were very upset when the cop, you know, fucking, uh, you know, fucking killed Sal and like, you know, because they were being so nice. And that's obviously, I think, the question that both Sonny has as a person, but also yeah. the audience is supposed to have of just like, you know, um, of this just like, well, what happens now? But in the moment, for the for the back half of this day, they were all in Sonny's corner. Yeah. And like, it's just such an interesting ending to the film because they're all running away from the car and they're all like comforting each other because they have just been through something very traumatic and very mm-hmm. distressing. But they didn't hate Sonny. Yeah. When they parted ways. And there yeah. is that question of like, as he's being arrested and they're all walking away from him, there is this question of just like, how are they going to feel tomorrow? Yeah. And I don't have an answer to that. The, but it is these, just this grating, gnawing question you have at the end of this film. These people who are ostensibly the the quote-unquote victims in this crime. Yes. Don't, yeah, I, I kind of doubt have all those, you know, obviously they they fight him and the bank manager, they have their tiffs, but like, can you get the feeling that like, you kind of mentioned it earlier, like you kind of, given the fact that like him and Moretti are supposed to be at odds, you don't even really get the idea that like Moretti has all that much malice for the guy especially after he listens to leon you know yeah. his his it's very it reminded me a lot actually of um Kaitel in uh thelma and louise yeah it reminded me a lot of Kaitel and thelma louise where it's like th- this guy on the other side this cop is like also similarly in the situation where like he's trying to do things he's just trying to like kind of de-stress the situation and things just keep getting out of fucking hand you know it's and yeah, it's it's God, it's so tragic. It's just so so tragic because yeah, you get to the end. It's it's a real. It's one of the way, reasons that the screenplay is really perfectly constructed because you really understand why every decision on both sides is made. You see why Sunny keeps getting bigger and bigger and like being like, okay, well now we need a limo. Now we need a plane. As soon as he says that, I think I think maybe even before Leon coming in, that is kind of the moment where the the movie shifts. Mm-hmm. Because and Pacino plays it so well, the scene where he's yelling at Kazale of, well, we're gonna get a we're gonna get a limo and we're gonna get a plane and we're gonna fly to Algeria. And he's just spiraling out so hard. And he's saying everything with such wild confidence, but there's also like a you can see the lack of control in his eyes. And you, as a person watching this movie, know so firmly that that's never gonna happen. Yeah, that like the fact that it almost does makes it even more tragic. Yeah, that like yeah, like it's because it's it's the end of the comic bit of that part of the movie where like this guy keeps having these these plans that are really not well supported and they go wrong and they slip up, and he has this big final fucking grand plan and you see him you see him yelling about it and you're like, well, of course this isn't going to happen. These two couldn't make a clean getaway from this fucking community bank. How the right. fuck are they going to be able to take a bait of, you know, a plane to Algeria and get away with what did they make? Like fucking $50,000, this tiny ass amount of money and live the rest of their lives. Like it's never going to happen. And then the fact that like, God damn, he almost does it. Yeah. But not quite right at the end. Yeah. 
No, yeah. And I mean, oh, God, it is just this almost like this. The ending has this almost, you know, you 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 bring up Stockholm syndrome, right? Yeah. And how like it's and how like it's not really real. It's like not really real. No, 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 no. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, but it's like, but, you know, bunk it, study. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it, it's like it's like the end of this film is almost like it's almost like the reverse Stockholm syndrome, right? Of like these women are going back into the world and they just found a mm-hmm. great amount of care and understanding and empathy for this like for this man who is you know ostracized by you know society and feels as if he has no other like recourse to get like the life that you know he and his partner and his lover deserve than mm-hmm. to rob a bank and to commit a crime and he has no malice in his heart for anybody and everybody around him says he's like this good person and all this stuff and you have this moment watching them all walk away and you're just like oh man they're like like the way the media is going to paint this and the way that like the culture yeah. the cultural narrative is going to like sink back in afterwards you're just like those women are going to be like oh my god that was the worst thing that ever happened to me and like that was so tragic and like i was i was even starting to believe this man for what he said you know what i mean like you can yeah. see how like you can just see that thing of like oh as soon as they're removed from him through no fault of their own, I'm not saying like that these are that these that the women in the bank are bad people, but like yeah. you can just you can just get that you just get that feeling of just like oh man, as soon as they're removed from him, and as soon as he's like in their past in the rearview mirror, like he's like powerless to, he's powerless to be seen as a human being in their eyes, and he's and he's no longer somebody who for once in his life has a tremendous outsized amount of power in order to make himself be heard, he's now a guy who has less power than ever because he's serving 27 years in prison. Correct. And like, yeah, and it's, I mean, the way that the media is portrayed in this fucking movie is really, really harshly, obviously, but I think really smart too and not not as overt as a lot of other movies, especially a modern version of this might treat it. Because it's not as though, because you, you get the newscaster a lot. You get, obviously, Sonny has the, con- the really, really good conversation with him later in the movie, but like, you're kind of constantly hearing the news version of what's happening. And it sounds very objective. It does not sound as though there is some calculated group of people behind this newscaster who are making decisions of how they're going to spin this story. But despite that objectivity, well, despite that seeming objectivity, you as a viewer of this movie, seeing both sides, you can see how that supposedly objective accounting of things doesn't actually like really tell the entire story in a way that like it probably should, especially, especially when it comes to the, to the queer stuff and the stuff with Leon, like the fact that the newscaster is not like, Oh, he's a, you know what this, you know, this, this pervert, this pansy man with his, you know, his, his man, wife, husband, you know, whatever. It's like, he's just saying like, you know, the gay activists have some reactions to this. It's, you know, we've been told that he was married in a ceremony And like, here he is in the dress. And you're like, that is all seemingly objective. But because I know, because I've seen it right outside, we just had the scene where the people were reacting negatively to this information about Leon or about um, Sonny rather and Leon. Yeah. But like, because I know the way that people react to this, I know that the news choosing to say these things and to show the picture of him in the dress is going to, you know, increase the narrative that he's some kind of, some kind of pervert, some kind of deviant. And it's, it's just, this fucking sucks. 
so bad. I mean, this movie also has that like a nearly Shakespearean level of distrust for like the plebeians, like the populace, the way they react to the media too. And it is so much about how one person can get completely trampled by just the nature of what society is. I mean, it works really well as comedic satire in the beginning, obviously, and then as dramatic satire later. I mean, I think the first sign of this is I got to point it out. It is both one of the funniest and also one of the fucking saddest moments in the movie is they send out the doorman because he's having an asthma attack. It's, it's also a really good bit of writing because it shows, OK, well, Sonny does have a heart. He's not some sociopath. Yeah, he doesn't want to hurt anybody. He doesn't want to hurt any. He says he doesn't want to hurt anybody. Yeah. And then he shows that he doesn't want to hurt anybody. This guy's having an asthma attack. He sends him out. And it's the only black man in the bank. So, of course, immediately the cops grab him and point a gun to his head. And then, you know, fucking um, uh, Moretti has to come by and be like, that's not the guy, you fucking idiots. Why would the guy say he's going to send somebody out? And then he himself walk out. Like, of course, that's not the guy. Right. And like, but it's. It's it's like so it's very comedic how just overtly overtly it's showing the racism in the police, hundred percent. And like that is a good early indication of what the rest of this movie is going to end up being about about like how our prejudices are not necessarily these individual things, but rather these things that are like shaped by and upheld by societal rules and norms. It's it's just so sad. It's just yeah, so sad. It's the saddest possible ending. Obviously, it's the scene of him, I mean, him having his living will written. Horrible. Sad. Romantic. Just a horrendously heart-wrenching scene. So sad. The fact that it comes off the back of him having a phone conversation with both of his wives. He has two very different conversations with the both of them, but it's really clear that he loves the both of them in entirely different ways. Yes. And then he le- he leaves both of them things and he leaves his kids things. And then the fact that you're going into this final scene just with the, you know, the knowledge that he has too, that like, even if this doesn't go the way it's supposed to, he will die. He will get killed by the police. He can't kill himself and get the life insurance policy, but he will get killed by the police. And that will result in both of his wives having much better lives. And he almost makes it away. And he almost fails entirely and dies. And in either situation, you know, he either he would get something or his wives would get something, but neither fucking thing happens. Yes. He just gets caught in the middle and he goes to prison and Angie's still on fucking food stamps. Leon gets the sex change, but like, we don't know, you know, obviously there's a lot going on with Leon. We don't know how they're doing. Yes. Like, it's God, it's just it it's kind of like you said with the people with the hostage, the, the the former hostages too. You're just left in this moment of of like lack of resolve, of there is no catharsis there for any of it. Yes. And all of that having been said, uh this is film is based on a true story. Yeah, yeah. Um we, yeah. Rather, it is based on an uh, the film says this shit's true. This shit's fucking true, baby. It's this true. shit's true. Shit. I'm gonna shoot you yeah. with some truth bullets. But um, the f- this film is based off of an article about mm-hmm. this thing, and they took some liberties with it. And um, what actually happened in real life is that um, the guy who Sonny is based off of, and God, I am going to butcher. Um, it's a different how, name, right? Yes, and I'm going to butcher how uh, how to say his name so, so hard, but it is 
the name is oh god i don't know it's it's a very like central european like polish last mm-hmm. name it's john w-o-j-t-o-w-i-c-s so john uh wadowitz wadowitz yeah i'm not sure um how you pronounce it but so he was sentenced to 27 years in jail he only served five and mm-hmm. he would go he would later go in and out of jail for a couple different crimes um however uh two in order to get this film made uh he sold his, the rights to his story you know he sold it to the folks who were making this film and using that money he was able to uh he was able to pay for uh his wife who would uh i don't know what her name was before this and that is very extremely unimportant but his wife uh who the character of leon is based off of elizabeth eden mm-hmm. he was able to finance um finance her uh gender uh her gender affirming surgeries uh using the money that he made selling the rights for this film well that's pretty that's okay that makes so, me so while holding up the bank didn't didn't in uh, the short directly term lead to you gotta plan for the long term it's a long exactly. con exactly and so uh. uh and yeah and so um Elizabeth Eden did um, did sadly and tragically pass away later on in the 80s as, of course, a result of the AIDS epidemic. Um, Jesus which fuck. is really, really unfortunate that, um, like, earlier when I said Reagan ruined everything, like, I yeah. said that, like, flippantly and, like, for humorous effect uh, mm-hmm. then, but, like, it is actually 100% true. You can trace literally every ill in the current American society back to um, Chuck's notes, Ronald motherfucking Reagan. Yeah. Um, but, like, you know, it is it is this tragic thing that you know I, I i said and i don't mean to be insensitive about it but i said a moment ago like uh she passed away in the 80s of course due to the aids epidemic and i mean it is this horrible thing in in america that if uh if a queer person died in the 1880s or the 18 or the 1980s or the 1990s the odds that it was because of aids is probably like god jesus christ probably fucking 95 percent of people yeah yeah um but yes, so in the short term, robbing the bank did not um, help Elizabeth get her uh, gender, uh, you know, her gender affirming surgeries. However, John was playing the long game. It was and uh, it's a very and interesting snow <laughs> job there. All right. But and like, you know, and, and this is the thing. And this is like. This is the thing that is obviously so frustrating about American life and American culture yeah. is that. Right now we're like, fuck yeah, it worked, baby. Like, but it is that kind of, you know, it it is kind of that horrible um American thing that we all have to have to contend with of like, you know, there's that whole like, well, pull yourself out by your bootstraps shit. You know, it's like it, there's this it, whole thing of like of like, oh my gosh, like he did it, like he did the thing we should all be celebrating because it's like, every time there's a like work. a Facebook meme about like this child started a lemonade stand and a bunch of people bought the lemonade and was able to like pay for his mom's cancer treatments. And like, everybody's like, Oh my God, isn't that so heartwarming? And you're like, I I don't know. I I feel like, no. Yeah, no, 110%. And it is just that whole thing of just like, you know, in this one, in this one very specific context, fuck yeah, yeah. fuck yeah. Um, But also just like, but it it, it does just highlight that like how, 
and even still to this day, like trans healthcare is uh, yeah. a nightmare. And um, getting worse in a lot of states. Yes, being actively yes, fought yes, against. Yes. Yes, um, but you know, it is just that thing of like, you know, you want to you want to stand up and cheer uh, when you hear this news about how the the movie played out for these for the for the real life people who are involved. But then you think about like, why did that need to happen for this woman to get yep. healthcare? Um, yep. And the answer is maddening, and it makes me want to rob a fucking bank. <laughs> <laughs> It makes you want to hold up a goddamn bank. Um, Don't say that too loud, or I would say the explicit villains of this movie, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, uh, will <laughs> put your name on a list. <laughs> yeah, for fucking real. God. Uh, but I think, Kirsten, unless you have anything else, it, I think it's that's a, Dog Day Afternoon. Yeah, it's another movie where like, I could, I, I could talk through every bit in the first half that made me laugh out loud and every bit in the second half that just just kind of made me stare off into space with a blank expression um but yeah in in terms of the totality of it that's i think that's it i think that's it what a what a fucking perfect movie that i am going to yell at people about now every day of my life yeah i'm so happy for you um well that having been said Corey, do you want to tell all the nice people at home where they can find our podcast on the internet? Absolutely. If you like what you hear, please be sure to like us and subscribe wherever you stream your podcasts. Leaving a review would also really help out the visibility of the show. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, all at Pod. Special thank you to our patrons. If you'd like a shout out on the show and bonus content, head over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash Pod. Fantastic. So... Caroline, next week, something a little special. Now for oh, something yeah? a little different. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. What's here's that? Here's the thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna make a guess. If I if if I know anything about you, Caroline Thompson, it's that you've seen the movie that we're discussing next week. Oh oh, have I? Have I? I I well, let me. I I guess I don't know for sure. I, I you know, but it, this movie is is. I'll say it. It's James Cameron's Aliens. Have you seen that one? You know. Um, I, I shocker to everybody who uh, listens to this podcast and shocker to everyone who follows me on Twitter and who follows me on Letterboxd. I, 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 I gotta say, yes, I have indeed seen right. James Cameron's film Aliens. You think it's any good or like, oh yeah, I think it rules. Yeah? Oh, okay. Wilson, All right. You know cool. Thinks it's really good. Yeah. Your cat Ripley. My cat Ripley. Rom, say hi. She's so quiet. She says, yeah, no. she, she, she doesn't talk much. She doesn't. <laughs> um, but I have also seen Aliens. Uh, next week, we're going to be having a guest on the show. Oh. Yeah. And I've heard she's never seen Aliens. You know, uh, you know, because we've definitely not already recorded the recorded entire that episode. episode. We have not recorded it already. Take your shot. We don't record these things out of order. Never. Um, no, yeah, um, friend of the pod and a uh, friend of mine from Twitter, Madison Tate, is going to be coming on the podcast next week, and we are going to talk James Cameron's Aliens. And um, we definitely haven't already recorded the entire episode, but uh, it's uh, I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think it's going to be a good one for sure. 
And it goes well with if you are not uh, following us over on patreon.com slash pod. Uh, we are doing the whole alien, what we are calling, cigarillogy. Yes, yes. Um, I, aliens, what we're calling, I think you mean what they put on the Blu-ray collection. That's true. That's Those, true. That is what's written on the front of the Blu-ray collection. Uh, yes. And for those of you who are unfamiliar with this very well-known, very well-established term that we did not make up on the podcast, <laughs> the Alien Cigarillogy okay. consists of Alien, Aliens, Alien 3, and Alien Resurrection, the original first four films uh, in the Alien series, all starring um in the lead role of Ellen Ripley, Sigourney Weaver. Yes. Uh, it's going pretty well so far. It is going been very well fun. so far. Yes, our Alien episode is up on Patreon. It is the longest thing we have ever recorded for this podcast. Yes, it is. Because we made the, I, I you know, I was going to say mistake, but it's not a mistake. We made the excellent call of... Um, of doing it on I, a Friday night when we had nothing to do and when we all had a couple of beers to drink. Yeah, I'm pretty the course sure of the podcast. I haven't listened to it. I'm pretty sure there's a moment about two hours in where I'm like, okay, I think we're done. And you're like, no, never. <laughs> well, there's and a, I was and like, all right, let's keep going. And we going. had an extra hour of stuff to we talk We did, about, it's so true. We, we, we did. But yeah, it is, it is truly one of my favorite things we've recorded for the podcast, and we just didn't ever stop talking about it. So you no. can find that over on Patreon.com at Patreon.com slash pod. And because we have a guest coming in for Aliens next week, we are going to be doing that one on the main feed right here. And mm-hmm. then we'll be doing the the remaining two films in the Cigarillogy um, on uh, Patreon in May and June of this year, respectively. So hope to see you guys over there where you can mm. catch, you can uh, get the whole Alien Cigarillogy, but we will definitely see you all next week when we talk Aliens. Aliens.